Yo, this is Anton from AntonDaniels.com. I'm over here with the Kings over here, real life street stars. And listen, man, if y'all not tapped in, if y'all not tuned in, if y'all not subscribed, then you're really doing yourself a disservice and I don't f with you. Street star. This a, this a big one. We got him in the building, man. We got uh, uh we're gonna say Deca Millionaire, social influencer, the man himself, Anton Daniels, man. And uh before we even get started, I gotta ask, and this is gonna kind of preface this whole interview. Mm -hmm. Um, what's more important to you? Uh fame, money, or power? Power. Ooh. All day long. Yeah, that's gonna take us there. Power all day long. What up, though, Detroit? What's happening? What up, Detroit? What up? What up? What up? Real life streets. Street stars is three one three. Three one three. Eminem will be so upset with me. Well, you know, you know, you in Dallas right now. This is the real D town. Nah, nah. Y'all, y'all, DFW. We we DTW. Nah, we ain't no DFW. Yeah, this the triple D. Y'all, y'all. It's so cold in the D. That's y'all. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm with it. I'm with it. Now, uh, what is the definition of power for those who have it misconstrued? Well, you got to put it in the context, right? So it's almost like when you're having a conversation about the definition of a friend, right? Or a definition of love. It means different things to different people, but power is being able to control your destiny. Power is being able to control other people. Power is being able to control your spouse or the women that's around you, right? It's being able to give somebody else an opportunity in order for them to come up and then them adding value into your life as a result of it, right? So you can have the fame, but fame don't mean nothing if you don't have the money, and you can have the money, but money don't mean anything if you don't have power because they can take that away from you. We seen what happened with Kanye, right? It's like that. You see what happened with Diddy. Diddy don't even own Ciroc. It was a finesse the whole time. He never really had any power. At any point, they was able to take it from him and he was really just a high paid influencer and employee, right? So he never really had any power. He don't even control his own destiny. He begging for equity and he never got it and he worked for him for 15 years and all he was able to do was really influence what everybody else was able to buy and he added value into Diageo, right? And so that's not really anything. He had the fame, they leveraged his fame, right? They leveraged his fortune. They leveraged his, his ability to be able to market to everybody else and essentially lie to us like Ciroc was really his and then he had equity into it. But in reality, he had no power in order to even be able to control his own. He has to go and ask for equity because he don't control the supply chain. He don't control the logistics. He has to ask them and then leverage what he knows about what who else is a part of the company in order to ask for inclusion and, and diversity, right? That's all bullshit. It don't mean nothing. And so if you don't have power, if you can't control your destiny, and that's why I tell everybody, yo, listen, slow growth, slow money, build it slow. A lot of these young guys, a lot of these rappers, a lot of these entertainers, a lot of these influencers, they always, they always trying to teach you how to get money but they're not trying to teach you the mentality. They're not trying to teach you how to control your destiny. And the important thing about it is that when you start to control things, what'll happen is it'll start to impact every other portion of your life, right? When you got the right mentality, it's not just about the money because you can always get money. A hustler gonna always get money. 
Money is abundant. It's not even worth the paper that it's printed on. But when you understand how money work, that's what give you the power. When you start to educate yourself a little bit differently, that's what give you the power. Then you can control the money. Then you can control the women. Then you can control everything else around you. And so a lot of these people, they seeking fame. That's why they get that dopamine hit when they get that like on that YouTube algorithm or they get that like on Instagram. You know what I'm saying? They chasing the money because they think that that's going to make them a better person. But money just make you more of what you already are. But when you ain't, nobody is talking about power because they don't even know what it is. They don't even got power in their own household. They ain't even got power in the family court system. What are we talking about? You know what I'm saying? A lot of these people just talk and they don't really understand how money works. They don't even understand the system that they're living in. They asking for reparations. Now, when did you feel, or when did you say in your life, did you really start to be able to control your destiny? When I went broke. Let's do it. When when, When you go broke is when you start to get a reality check, right? Because... I was a plant baby, and that's what the majority of us was in Detroit, right? Meaning that when we was coming up in high school, the only thing that we wanted to do was get in a Ford Chrysler GM. That way you can get a Cadillac, you can get a Lincoln Continental. You know what I'm saying? Big three, right? Yeah, big three. They on strike right now. And we thought that making that $32 an hour was going to be everything, right? Sounds big. Yeah, and so I got into the plant, local 600, um, and I was working at the steel mill down in Dearborn where they make the Ford F-150. And I, when I was 18, 19 years old, I was making $120,000 a year. Oh, man. But I had to work 16 hours a day, 17, uh, 16 hours a day, uh, seven days a week in order to do it. Right. But it was cool because I had never seen that type of money before. So as soon as it was coming in, I was spending it. But when the, you know, the, the 08 financial recession crisis, housing crisis hit, went broke, got all my cars repossessed, had to move back into my mom's basement, was married to my, the chick that I knew from high school. Right. Had a baby on the way. She was born February 2008 on your back. All your cars getting repossessed. You ain't got no money. That's when you start to find God. Man, winners get a little colder. Yeah. You start to find God when you got to humble yourself and you 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 can't even have sex because my dick wasn't getting hard because I ain't had no money. And I was feeling like a sucker in my own mama's basement. And I had to beg for a meal. And I had this chick that was pregnant. You know what I'm saying? Making my food and I didn't even feel like a man because I couldn't I couldn't provide for at that particular time. It seems like every success story has a bottom like that to make someone come to an epiphany yeah. of like, I don't want to live in mundane. I want to I don't want to live status quo. Absolutely. And you go, you see the bottom where I'll never get back there again. A lot of guys need to suffer. Yeah. The, the problem with a lot of people is that they haven't hit their bottom. And so as long as you're able to coast, right, as long as you continue to be comfortable, as long as you got that net up under you. You're never going to get rich. You're never going to become the man that you're supposed to be. You're not even going to be able to develop the character that goes along with success when you get it, right? Character is the thing that keep you when you start to get money. Character is the thing that's going to keep you from crashing out when you start to get in that bag, right? right. A lot of people don't understand spirituality, but spirituality, it's not, just in, it's not just attached to God. It's not just attached to salvation. It's a lesson that comes along with it. Let me, let me tell you what spirituality is, right? Spirituality is the opportunity for you to learn things and operate in your purpose and discover things about yourself that you didn't know. So I'll give you an example. One thing about God, regardless of who you believe and how you believe, whether you're Muslim or Christian or whatever, the one thing about God is this. He does not allow for you to skip steps, meaning that if you're going to become successful, you have to continue to repeat the lesson over and over until you graduate. What that allows for you to do is it allows for you to be able to develop the character that keeps you 
and be able to handle what success comes with so you don't fuck up your family when you start to get a little bit of money. So you ain't out here tricking on these holes so you don't get caught up because what happens is money exponentially multiplies whatever it is that you are when you become successful. If you was a scumbag, you're just a scumbag with money. You just got more opportunity to fuck shit up. So now when you would have crashed out and you would have been going back into your mama's basement, now you crashing out and you know you owe the IRS 10 million for the rest of your life. Yeah. You got a chick that's exposing you and you caught a disease or you got some side chicks and you can't recover from that, right? And so what spirituality allows for you to do is have those learned experiences. And it's similar to a father with a child, right? What you want your kid to do, you don't want to protect your child from society. You want to teach him the lesson. So you allow him to crash out in controlled environments. It's failing in control, con controlled environments yeah. so that when he becomes an adult, all of those lessons stick with him when he gets older. And so that's the importance. You got to have that foundation. That's the whole idea behind the spirituality of, you know what I'm saying? Inputting it into him when they're a child, it'll never depart from him, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. If you're not focused on the money, but you focused on the growth and the success that comes along with character development, the money is going to come with it anyway. The holes come with it anyway. You ain't got to chase them. Mm. The holes is going to come with it. Did Can you handle the holes when they start to throw it at you though? Right. Because a lot of y'all gonna crash out. You it's your first time getting it. You ain't tripping off of that. Did the money make you more of what you were in, innately? Like or did you say, let me change of what my inner, let's say, I don't want to say demons, but whatever the uh, inner things that you had in you younger, did you turn those off or did you like exploit it a little bit? Now I think that once you get past a certain level financially, um it don't mean as much to you anymore. How many watches can you buy? How many cars can you drive? I didn't drove them all. I didn't had them all. I just crashed the Porsche the other day. Right? I ordered the, the Revelto and the new Huracan that's coming out. Right? I mean, but it's just, you're not even buying it because you necessarily have time to drive it. You're buying it because you got access to it. Right? So at a certain point, the money doesn't affect you anymore once you get used to it. But then at the same time, you have to understand that if you keep at the forefront of your mind of the things that's the most meaningful to you, right, it then can become a tool. All money is is a tool, right? I can put my daughter in spaces in college. She'll never have to ask for a student loan from Biden and ask for forgiveness. She ain't never got to be able to, you know, when she's looking at a man, she's not looking at what he can do for, but she's looking at the inner parts of him and the character development because he's going to become successful anyway, but she can see through all of the things that's going to finesse her early in her life. And she's going to be able to make that adjustment because she can look at what that guy really represent, not necessarily what he going to do for. And that's what's wrong with a lot of a lot of women out here today. Right. They so focused on looking at what they can get from a guy and they can't build with them. They're not shooting in a gym with him and they don't have any equity into what it is that he is as far as what he building for her, because she's going to be the recipient of his greatness. See, every woman needs to be adding value into a man. If you get with a woman today. A lot of these guys don't get it, right? They don't understand what being successfully married is. If you get with a woman today, if she not giving you every fucking thing, I mean everything, if she not willing to give you her paycheck, if she coming into it talking about she want a partner instead of wanting a man or, or wanting a husband, if she's sitting here having a conversation with you talking about what it is that you can do for her or she's trying to retire and she's not, she's not continuing to try to add value into your life, if she not willing to give you her life, Everything that she represents, that she not the woman for you. She not the woman for you. Most women, I've seen this in my own family. Most women teach their young daughters to go find a man to take care of you. 
Yeah, because they they, they being raised by suckers. And so, the, the OGs from yesteryear, they failed us. Man. They failed us. They lied to us. They told us happy wife, happy life. Yeah. They the most disappointing generation that I've ever seen in my entire life. They fumbled the country. They said happy wife, happy life. They raised their daughters into being feminists. They lost control of their households. And then they gave us all of that same residual effects and all of those uh, generational curses. And now we got to live with them and we got to fix what it is that they're dealing with. That's why you see a lot of guys saying, I don't want to be what my father was. Or my father was a drunk and that's why I don't drink anymore. Or my father wasn't there for me and that's why it is that I treat my kids so well. We trying to fix all of the stuff that they did and then the next generation is going to be the recipients of our greatness if we go about doing it the right way. But the, the last generation is the ones that failed us. They had they was the most free generation to do what they wanted to do. They had all of the opportunity. They had the jobs. They had the, the benefits. They had the unions. They had every single thing that you can possibly have to be able to level up and become great and leave us a legacy and they fumbled the bag. They fumbled everything. And you know what they gave us? Feminism, alphabet community, the LGBTQ community. They gave us Obama, right? They gave us all of the things that looked good on the outside and it promised us hope, but then we the ones that's paying for it as a result of it. That's what they gave us. They gave us some hoes. That's what they gave us. Now, another thing that I feel like really just is detrimental to I'm going to speak for, for candidly for the black male mm -hmm. is the rush to try to look wealthy mm -hmm. or attain wealth because we see it so much on social media now with hip hop, the hip hop entertainers and the, um, the athletes. Athletes is broke. <laughs> and the rappers it, like, is the, like, <laughs> the like, athletes is broke. They trying to get into the game that we in as far as content creation in order to get a little bit of money. Athletes, they broke. They broke. Most of them is broke. Athletes is broke. Entertainers is broke. Now, when you say broke, what what is what does broke look like? What is what is those broke? guys never developed a skill set that allowed for them to be able to make money for the rest of their life? Okay. They had a short window. They had you know, two, three, on average, four or five years. The average NFL player is broke within five years of, of becoming, a, you know, retiring. They, they really was blowing money fast. They was BMF out here, right? They was in there. And you know what the worst thing about athletes is? Is that they have all of the information today to make a better decision and they see all of the things that happened to the people that happened before them and they still fumbling the bag. They don't ask enough questions. Um, they, my, they my Uber, Uber drivers. I see them all damn. the time. I see them with their ring on. They, they college ring. Yeah. They Rose Bowl rings. They had a Super Bowl ring on. I offered to buy it from them. They they my Uber drivers. And it, Real you'll talk. Buy, Seriously. You, Seriously. You, you lying. I <laughs> kid you not. Damn. I swear to God. I no. promise to God, bro. I see them all the time. All the time, bro. Do you ask them, Do you are you curious of how they fumbled the bag? No. I already <laughs> know. You already know. Because I already, I heard the story before, right? Yeah. We hear it socially we hear it from them because they're not going to tell you how they fumbled the bag they just going to tell you oh i got injured or whatever so you got to use your context clues it's kind of like trying to figure out a chick's body count she's not going to really tell you what her yeah. body count you is Hold on. but you're going to know just by being able to have a conversation with her yeah no you know what i i came upon an epiphany today you said that and I, <laughs> you know what you know how you know a chick has a high body count yeah, by just looking at her and how she moving. No, not the yeah. They, the ones who don't have a high body count, what they what the first thing they say? What they say? I can count on one hand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't believe I mean, them the either. Niggas, 
I, I don't believe him, listen. but I'm more inclined to believe him because I every 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 chick that I've talked to that said their body count was they they throw it in your face like it's a I don't believe ah, no one body count low. I don't believe I don't believe a woman at all. <laughs> I don't listen. If you you know how you know how you know if a woman is lying if she moving her mouth. They're just as simple as that. I I don't believe not one woman since Eve. Yeah, I see. <laughs> right, the very first lesson when I opened up the Bible, I done read the Bible back to back seven times. Know every book of the Bible: Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuels, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. As you can go all the way through the New Testament: Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts of the Apostles, Epistles. Women have been lying since the beginning of time, and every lesson and before us is teaching us to do not believe a word that is coming out of their mouth. Preach. Okay? Preach. That's how you know if a woman is lying, if she's, if she's talking. The reason why you have to convince women, right, to do the things that's in their own best interest is that they're not inherently trained to do so. It's not in their nature. It's in their nature to be rebellious. It's in their nature to lie to you. It's in their nature to do the thing that's best for them, to be hypergamous, meaning that they have to go for the best available option because they understand that they can't do it for themselves. They're going to lie to you. They're going to tell you that women are cool, uh, women that cold, queens, all of this other type. When you got it, you don't have to profess it, right? Amen. You don't have to sell it to other women. Why do they incentivize women to get in STEM? Because inherently, they're not going to choose it for themselves. So they have to incentivize them. They got to put the carrot in front of them, right? They got to help them do the thing that's in their own best interest. I don't believe any woman. The reason that they come out with these slogans, believe all women, is because women aren't believable. <laughs> if that was the natural order of things and we've been in existence since the beginning of time, why do you have to train me for something that I'm already aware of? If you were a, a truth teller, if it was inherently in you, you wouldn't have to sell me on why it is that I should believe you. Why would I believe you, right, when you're telling me to do something that's against your nature? I know who you are. I know exactly so, who you are. So, Listen, you think that I... <laughs> uh, you have been in existence, right? Let's let's take woman A, right? Yes. Coke bottle, beautiful, right? She's going to sell you when she's going to tell you when she's getting with you because her, her her goal is to get you to marry her. She wants to retire. She wants to be have babies. Somehow she wants to be uh, live the soft life, right? Why would if she's trying to get herself in the best position possible? We lie on interviews. We trump up our resume. We make ourselves look better in order to make ourselves more presentable to the person that's trying to get the bag, right? We're trying to get the bag from them. You're in an interview phase. That's all it is. And so if she's trying to get you to then marry you so that she has some equity in your success, why would she tell you the truth? Why would she tell you the absolute truth and she don't do it with her own boss? She more submissive with her boss than she is with you at home. So why would she tell you the truth and she lied to him? She treat her boss better than she treats you. She dress up for him. She's submissive to him. Is yes, sir, no, sir. Can I get you coffee? He ain't got to think about it, right? She's more submissive to him and everybody else around him. So why would she treat you any differently when she don't even have the same respect for you as she has for her, her superior at her job? Why would she tell you the truth when she's lying to him? Right? Men lie to the woman that they love. They don't tell the truth. They tell the truth to the hoes. Men lie to the women that they love because we care about what they think. We tell the truth to the women that we don't give a fuck about. 
So now you know what's coming in these comments. I'm with it. So do you hate they women? They know what's the truth in the comments. Do you hate women? Do I hate women? Yes. I love women. Everybody that worked for me is a woman. Yeah. I got I got two guys that work for me. Two. Mm. Everybody else are women. Why is that? Why? Because women, listen, women is the great, they Swiss Army knives. They Swiss Army, yeah. They the greatest tool that God has ever created. Listen, you don't need a gun. You just need a woman. You can get a dude set up in the streets, right? I'm from Detroit. Y'all over here in Dallas, y'all doing. You can get a dude set up. You ain't got to go and plot on him. All you got to do is send a woman his way. He going to forget every single thing that he thought he knew because he's so focused on what it is that he's trying to get from her. Right. If you got a woman for you. But here's the key. This is the thing that people don't understand about women. Right. The way that you really empower women to do the thing that's in your best interest is you got to You got to help her to understand that you're not trying to fuck her. Right. The minute that you show her that her value to you was more than what it is that she has between her legs, she'll die for you. She'll jump off the bridge for you. It just comes along with the game. And so every woman or all the women that work for me, they adore me. They love me. They'll jump off the bridge for me. Right. That's just the way that my wife will die for me. She'll stand in front of a fucking bullet for me if I let her. Right. But the reason that that is, is because I helped her to understand that her value was more than what it is that she has between her legs. So I'm looking to figure out how it is that I can leverage you. Hey, listen, I know you think you're beautiful, but to who? I'm going to ask you the question, right? How is it that you can move in a room full of people and then be able to bring me back a bag? How can you connect me? Listen, I don't give a fuck about pussy. I can go and get that any, any time of the day. I need to understand how you're going to make friends with his wife so that me and him can do business together. That's what I want from you. They'll die for you because they feel like you add value into their life and that you respect them for more than what it is that's between their legs. They'll give you what's in between their legs and go along with it. I love women. Why would I hate the very thing that's the most, the best, the greatest creation that God ever made outside of me? You know, uh, absolutely. You know, women uh, tend to, when you put yourself above them, then you must, well, there must be some misogyny I am, involved. I am above them. Yeah, no, we, we know. <laughs> But you know that's that's just, that's just what God is God over man, man over woman, woman over child. Yeah. Amen. So do you feel um any woman could be bought? Yeah, they all got a price. All got a price. We all have a price. Even Never. even God Himself says you've been bought and paid for with a price. Mm. Right? Everything is an if-then statement. If you do my will, then you will have salvation. If you do this, if you sacrifice, then you will reign with me, right? If you suffer with me, you'll reign with me. Everything has a price on it. Everything has a price. Cause and effect. So I have to ask you, um, when you see a household where a man is a stay-at-home dad and the Sucker. woman is going to work. Sucker. Yeah, like, what, what is your thoughts when you see, like, what do you think is the dynamic of that relationship? Emasculation. It's the first thing that comes to my mind. Because <laughs> basically, basically you've, you've surrendered your power and your natural state of hierarchy in order to allow for her to have or be the head of the household. Women want to be submissive. I don't care how high powered she is. I don't care if she says she want a partner. I don't care what she says. Every woman by, by nature. When you ask a man what you're looking for in a man or what is the minimum that he has to make, nine times out of 10, they're going to say, unless they just trying to get it, you know, make you feel good about it. And so they don't lie to you because, again, we know that women lie. But most of the time, what women are going to say is, I want a man to be on my level. I want him to make the same amount of me as more. 
If it was just about love or if it was just about building and all of y'all was putting all of y'all resources into the pot, then why would she care who was making what as long as it's all going into the same pot? Correct. Why, is, why isn't she having a socialist or a communist mentality and that, hey, it don't really matter who does what as long as we both add value into this relationship and we build in a legacy? Why is she always looking for a man that's on her level or above? The reason that she's looking for that is because she's looking for somebody to be over her, even if she don't know it. Right. Women are business people more than men are simply because of their hypergamous nature. Even if they don't know it, they're looking for the best available option. They're looking for the protect protection and provision is the number one thing above looks. Right. They'll settle for the guy that is going to make sure that he takes care of her. But she'll get a box over into the dude that don't even give a fuck about her. When you heard, I don't know if you heard, but maybe you heard, you probably heard Tyler Perry said, that uh, <laughs> the women are making more, yeah. you know, and uh, they should be okay with settling for a man who makes lesser. I agree. You can just pay the light bill. I, <laughs> I agree. Pay the light bill. I agree because the dynamics of what relationships are are different than they were in yesteryear, right? Women are making more money. So see, it is, that see, is family true. court laws and the things that we're dealing with today was, was created at a time where women didn't have the right to vote. They didn't have options. They couldn't make the same same type of money. They didn't have a liberation that men have and all of this type of stuff, right? And so you can't keep operating. And let me tell you how smart women are. They'll advocate for more. They'll advocate for freedom. They'll advocate for sexual liberation. They'll also advocate for the same amount of money that men make, but they'll advocate against updating family court laws. You know why? Because they're looking at it from a business perspective. They want all of the benefits, none of the repercussions that come along with it. So in order for you, and I think that guys should completely protest marriage. As a man that's been married for two decades, I think that guys, based off of what it is that they're dealing with today, should completely protest marriage based off of the fact that they refuse to update the laws and they refuse to adapt based off of all of the freedoms that women now have today. Tyler Perry is absolutely right. Listen, if you want to be a man, then do what men do. Take care of the person that you want instead of subjecting yourself to the things that you have to have to deal with as a result of lowering your standards. Right. If you want love, then go for the love. But the thing about Tyler Perry is that he knows and that's why he prefaced what he was saying by saying that I know I'm going to get in trouble with this because women ain't going for that shit. And they know that it's always going to be a simp that's willing to pick up the pieces. Even if you got a, mu- a bunch of real ones, it's always going to be a simp that's willing to deal with whatever it is that he's willing to deal with. Right. The Boyce Watkins, all of those type of dudes, they're going to simp the fuck out. Right. It's going to be a dude that fucked her. And and, you know, he's going to make sure that he got the best out of her. And then she's going to come back to you and then you're going to propose to her. And then you're going to be a step baby daddy as a result of it. And then, that, and then, you know, everybody's going to live happily ever after. And he's going to propose to you that you're supposed to pick up the pieces that the dudes that fucked her already didn't, didn't had her in the community. Right. She don't have to be pure. The, the most value that she can add to you is, is her womb. Somebody that already took advantage of it. And then that's just going to be the end of the story. It's always going to be a simp. So we never, ever going to be able to make the progress. But I think the real one should, should protest marriage. Uh, based off of what it is that they see today, because it's a lose-lose situation. Never become a stepfather. Never become a stepfather. Never become a stepfather? Never become a stepfather. No man that has no kids that is at the top of his game. Listen, you're not even going to be at the top of your earnings until you're in your late 50s, early 60s. Your greatness 
She sees the potential in your greatness. That's why she's trying to get you when you in a while you in college. Right. You're not even remotely going to be as great as you are from 10 to 20, 30 years from now. So no man should ever subject himself to the idea, the idea of marriage based off of the standards that we have today. Why would you give? Why would you become great? Make all of the sacrifices and then go and take care of another man's kids. What benefit is that to you? Them kids don't even give a fuck about you. They don't even like you. They don't even look like you. What about if you have? (laughs) What about if the male has kids? That's different. It's a hundred percent different. The nature of what men are is completely different than it. I'll give you an example. It's much different than when women cheat than when men cheat. A man can cheat. And obviously I'm not advocating for cheating, but what I'm saying is I'm just telling you the nature of people, the mindset. A man can cheat, right? And it's just based off of convenience, opportunity, peer pressure, whatever. He can have sex with a woman and literally the moment that he had post nut clarity, he don't even remember her name. He trying to figure out how he can get her out of there. The minute that he had post nut clarity, he probably mad at himself like, damn, I don't even know what the fuck I did. Yeah. It's a bad situation. I don't even know who this person is. I'm messed up, right? A woman, when, when women cheat, they be emotionally connected. Emotionally connected. That's why I see a lot of feminine men then start to get caught up with women because they leaning into that feminine part of their nature when they start to fall in love with the chick that they should have never been with in the first place. She was never supposed to be yours. It's just your turn. You falling in love with a chick that's for the, for the street. She's for everybody. Right. So when a woman, when a woman cheat, woman, women just don't inherently just go out and cheat. Right. It's somebody close to them. They've been working on her. Somebody at her job. Right. <laughs> somebody close to her. Somebody that her trainer or somebody that they connected to or maybe you messed up and now she's looking for emotional support and it's an opening into her heart. And now he start to get in there. Right. Even when women have sex, their emotional connection allows for them to have much greater orgasms. That orgasm a lot of times is also attached to her emotional connection to the guy. And so what happens is she don't really get those penetration climaxes because it's just for sport. It's not a real connection. It's much more euphoric when she's emotionally connected to the guy. And that's why when she cheat on you, you never get in her back. She gone. Her head is gone. She can't unsee what she saw. She was too connected to that guy. You should never take her back if she cheat on you. It's a completely different. It's a completely different nature within her that's causing her to do what she's doing, which is why you can't have her again. She's now for the streets. Do you think every woman innately has that nature in them and men just. Every woman can be knocked. We just yeah, we just fight. We just fight that internal thing in them to keep. We we know what it is. We lie to ourselves because we want we want to believe that your girl is different than everybody else's girl. <laughs> right. You want to believe that. I got the one that ain't. <laughs> yeah. But every woman can be knocked off. Every woman can be knocked. The coldest pimps in the game. Listen, pimping is the same thing as pastoring. It is. Like it's very just close. using it in a different way and you maybe have a different moral compass because there are some good pastors, right? It's not all just bad, right? But you're convincing people. It's all sales. You're convincing people to do the thing that's in their best interest or what you're telling them is in their best interest. You sell your kid on why they should go to school and do the thing that's best for them. Hey, don't use drugs. Stand and go in front of the class. Don't be peer pressured, right? You're selling your chick on why it is that she's supposed to be submissive and doing what she's supposed to do. Hey, stay away from your friends, right? Them them hoes is for the street. Go and get some married friends. You're trying to convince them every day on doing the thing that's in their own best interest, right? 
And so it's no different from pimping. It's no different from pastoring, right? They're trying to tell the congregation why it's important for them to go over to Jesus' side, right? Get salvation and make sure that you put some money in a collection plate because we got a building fund, right? But then on the other side of the fence, right, you got pimping. Now, pimping is, is bad from a moral compass perspective, but the nature of it is the same. You're convincing a woman to be your bottom chick. Listen, I got your best interest at heart. Make sure you go out there, collect that money from daddy and bring it home so we can make sure that we take care of the family. Whatever it is that they doing. But understand this, every pimp is still looking to knock off another chick. You're just going to make sure that your bottom chick is staying down with you, right? But every single woman out there, every pimp know that it's a way that you can knock that chick off. You just got to know if you... You, you that guy or not. You got to be able to have that mouthpiece. You got to give her something that she, she got to believe in you more than she believe in the guy that she don't like. And she got to be, uh, have some level of discomfort with the pimp that she with. Mm, because pimp. a chick that, a chick that's hundred percent with you, she don't even see other, she could have a bunch of men that's talking to her at the same time and she don't see them. But the minute that she has some kind of, some level of discomfort, some level of dissatisfaction, that's the opening that the guy at the job starts to use in order to be able to get in her pants. It ain't that she was thinking about him. It's that he was convenient and he was conveniently there for him or for her when she had that level of discomfort with you. It ain't him, it's you. Preach, brother. Preach. Every chick can be knocked off. Every last one of them. Now, I want to ask... Um, oh, you want to say... For the, for the man who, uh, who has taken that loss and felt that blow and his his chick has got got her bottom knocked out, mm-hmm. and he's he wants to let her go, but he can't. He, what what should he do? What should his exercise? It depends. Be? What's the what? You got to give me a scenario. Do you got kids? Are they married? I mean, we say we we say you saying if she done been hit, she done been hit, then mm-hmm. it really it re, especially if y'all got kids and you she done get it is you know is you in her face? She gone. You so, gotta look at you gotta look at the relationship from a business perspective from there on out. Okay. Marriage is is a business before it is love, especially for men. It's supposed to be. It's not for most men, but it's supposed to be. So now you gotta look at that from a business perspective. Because if you stand for an emotional perspective, then you're gonna stick around longer than you want to, and you're gonna do things for people and you're gonna reason with yourself that it makes sense, right? I'm here for the kids. I gotta keep my family together, right? right? My kids mean the most to me. And so guys often at times they reason with themselves unreasonably in order to stick around in something that they're going to eventually fall out of anyway. She not yours. Eventually it's going to fall apart anyway. You got to make an executive decision. You got to look at it from a business perspective. I say that just to say because um, I figured you might move in that direction. So if a man is working on a job Mm -hmm. and he's not getting the value the job is not treating him as valuable as they should be treating him. He's not being compensated like he should be. What should his next move be? Because, you know, it's... Well, what is his value, right? A lot of times we think that our value is more than what it really is. Ooh. Right? Like, you, 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 most of the time people are comparing themselves to people that's outside of their purview in order to justify their existence. I'll give you an example. You got the UAW, right? And they striking right now and they saying, well, we want more money because the CEO is making this or whatever. The CEO's paid is tied to the, perform- the performance of the company. The CEO's all- job is also based off of what the board approved for them to get, right? So if the company performs well, then you make a lot of money as a result of it. Also on top of that, that means that the shareholders are benefiting, right? Everybody wins. We don't care how much money you make as long as you're making us money. 
We want you to make a lot of money, right? But then when you got that worker on the floor, they going by what their hourly wage is and they trying to justify their existence based off of your lifestyle. They looking out the window instead of looking in the mirror. And so a lot of times what we don't do is we don't evaluate what our time is worth. How much you think your time is worth, if you had to guess? Uh, over, over time, it's getting worth more than what it was when I was 20. But, but if you had, do you know what a number, what, what number would you attach to your If to your I was work? to put a dollar amount on my personal time. Per I, hour. It's about worth 40 to $50 an hour. How do you substantiate that? Uh, based on my wants and needs and what I have around me, what I already have nope. and what I want to attain. Nope. Go ahead. The amount of time that you what you worth per hour is what you make per year divided by 8,760. Oh, let me get a calculator. Hold on. Wait That's how much time, how many hours are in a year. Ah, Meaning yeah. that the amount of time that you worth is literally a number based off of how much money you've made and whether or not you're sleeping, whether you're awake, whether we're doing this interview, whether or not you're playing video games, whether you're having sex or whether you're at work every day. It's a number attached to that. So if you make $100,000 per year, give or take, I'm a C student. So yeah. work with me here. Let's, Let's say you make $100,000 per year. We're not even going to go net. We're not even going to take the taxes out. We're not going to do none of that. Let's just say 100000 straight up and down. 8760 you make somewhere between 11 and $12 an hour. That's how much your time is worth. Mm. 11 and $12 an hour. So now we have to start looking at our time differently. Because every time that I'm spending on this side hoe, is she really worth $40? Because I spent 44 hours with that hoe. Mm. Here's another here's another calculation, right? Hold on. Let's break it down. Let's look at if everything needs to be looked at from a business perspective. Let's say you make a million, two million a year, right? That means your time is worth between $150 to $300 an hour. Every time you sleep, every time you blink, when you jump in the shower, every hour, you worth somewhere between $150 and $300 an hour, right? Yes. Now, if I got this little hood rat over here. And she playing games and she wasting my time and I got to spend three hours with that hoe. You telling me she worth a band? Nah, $11 an hour. So now you start to look at your time differently, right? Because this hoe ain't even worthy to be in my presence. Man, come on now. Right? There you go. So now. Calculation. If, if you making 70, 80, 90, $100,000 a year, right? That mean that you ain't got time to be hanging out with people that ain't that ain't adding value into your life because you're trying to increase the value of your time. You ain't got time to be focused on no holes. The holes come with it. All you got to do is be focused on your success. You don't have time to be putting into another woman. You got to be putting it into yourself. The women are going to come with it. I don't have it. Listen, I don't have it. My time is worth $12 an hour if I'm making $100,000 a year. I don't have time to be focused on you, baby girl, right? Yeah. If, my t- if I'm getting it bag and I'm making two, three million dollars a year, I don't have time to be spending $350, $400 worth of time on you right now for an hour of your time. Or you spending an hour of my time when I could be leveling up and getting more money or increasing the value of my time, when I could be spending it with my daughter, right? And that's how I'm able to maintain my mindset when it comes to what it is that I'm dealing with on a daily basis. That hoe ain't worth my time. There you go. Because I'm too valuable. And that's what I was saying, right? When you're growing, and when you start to look at everything from business and a spiritual perspective, you don't subject yourself to the same thing that everybody else do just because you have the availability to, to control it or you have the money for it. Because now my inherent value is worth more than what you can offer me. And so I got a different mentality. That's the thing that keeps you when you become successful. It's the character. It's the principles. It's the mentality that allows for you to be successful going forward. So let's talk finances then. Um, let's get it. When it comes to, uh, you know. It's my favorite subject. Yeah. 
when it comes to, um, and you know, we're black men in here. Um, you know, we come from a struggle. I'm sure everybody, you know, black men come from a I come from some, right on right some type city. of struggle. Um, how important they say is it to surround yourself around more successful people in order to be successful? Or every person need a mentor. There you go. Every single person. I will never not have a mentor. Every person needs to get themselves a guide that allows for them to forego going through the same things that they went through in order to become successful, so you can get there faster than they did. And, and contrary to popular belief, rich people are nice. Rich people are way nicer than people that's in the middle class <laughs> or the poor people. Rich people will give you all of the game. They will give you opportunity. They will give you all of the insight, information, understanding. They will connect you with the right people. But most time, people, people villainize people because they're looking at what they don't got, right? And rich people become the enemy simply because they symbolize what it is that you haven't been able to achieve. And so instead of people having a mentality to align themselves with people that can give them the game, they reject them. Right. And they don't want to invest in themselves, but they'll go and spend money on a depreciating asset. They're going to go get that charger, that challenger, that charger and that challenger can't put no money in your pocket. So I'll say this. uh, We have Mark Cuban sitting here uh, a couple months ago, but I feel like that conversation, that was a very easy conversation, Mm -hmm. but I feel that conversation will be different talking to a pre-presidential Donald Trump sitting here. Would you say that those two might be two different conversations? Probably same amount of wealth, you know, same amount of access, same amount of power. Mm-hmm. But do you feel like that might be two different conversations as far as approachability and access? What, pre-presidential Donald Trump pre- or post-presidential? Pre-presidential. Pre-presidential Donald Trump was just like the Mark Cubans. Yeah, yeah, he was out there with the Snoop Dogs. Uh, he was. And the Martha Stewart's. Black people love <laughs> Donald Leaks. Trump. Yeah, Before real. it became Batman Orange and all of that, black people, <laughs> listen, he was a staple in hip hop culture. Yeah. He was a reference point. We read his books. We studied him. He was hanging out with Robert Kiyosaki from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, <laughs> right? Puffy was taking pictures with him. Everybody loved him. And then all of a sudden, when he became president, he became Batman Orange. That is by design. That is not based off of anything other than a manufactured event to then paint a narrative for the person that we loved and we supported way before he became president. And he was a phenomenal president on top of that. But more importantly, to answer your question, specifically, I think that he is the representation of that pre-presidential. Before he became president, he was exactly the representation of that. You know, you know um, they talk about Donald Trump, right? And they was like, "That's my president right there." Correct. That's my and guy. They, uh, a lot of people were saying, if twelve, if you felt like twelve hundred dollars, mm-hmm. well, it, you know, you must be broke or whatever. Whoop de whoop. And I'm like, but we had a president in here now <laughs> who ain't gave a nigga shit. Mm-hmm. Excuse my language. Facts. And y'all thinking he really, and this is y'all president. Mm-hmm. Like, why is it? That we associate the people that do the least for us, we give them the most praise. Because it's all manufactured. Listen, listen. I'm looking at this migrant crisis. Y'all fucked up down here in Texas. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm looking at this migrant crisis, right? And the thing that I'm asking myself is this. Why would they do that? Why would they do that, right? Why would they let people literally just flood in here, right? They going up to Chicago. Chicago is at a $584 million deficit right now. 
They were projected before the migrant crisis started happening to be at an $85 million deficit. Now they are already past $600 million. New York has spent over $3 billion in order to help migrants, right? It's estimated, according to New York um, statistics and metrics, right? It's estimated that they're spending approximately $140,000 to $150,000 per family in order to house them, clothe them, feed them, give them shelter, healthcare co coverage, educate them, and maintain uh, some level of civility as far as taking care of these migrants. $150,000 per family, right? Over $383 per day. Most people don't even make $70,000 to $80,000 a year. And you're spending $150,000 approximately per family in order to take care of them. Now, this is all happening without any oversight. Kamala Harris's number one agenda when she got in office was to solve for immigration and in open borders and migrants, illegal immigrants. Nothing. You got to ask yourself this question, right? Why would they do that? Why is this happening? Why is this a thing? I'll tell you why it is. I had Kwame Kilpatrick come and visit me, right? I've kicked it with him. Mayor of Detroit. He told me everything about the bullpen. The bullpen is the potential candidates that ultimately they're looking at that could potentially become a powerhouse within the Democratic Party, right? He broke it down to me so beautifully. Black people wasn't even initially Democrats. They were Republicans, right? The thing about black people, though, they, need, they needed to tie them to the party. And so what they did was they gave you um, food stamps and they gave you handouts and essentially what they told you was that Democrats was for the poor, Republicans are for the rich, right? What they did was they handcuffed you over to the Democratic Party, even though you had conservative principles, even the way that you lived your life, we believed in the church, we believed in marriage, we were much more stable, right? But the more we became interdependent on the government, the more we tied ourselves to the Democratic Party, right? When Obama got in office, we loved it because it was representation inside of the White House. But Obama's number one policy and the thing that he did the most was to support the LGBTQ community. It's just a fact, right? He still champions the agenda today. In my opinion, right, my theory is this, and it was substantiated by different politicians that I've had conversations with and I'm really good friends with. They were the new voting class for them. Yes. You're tying them now over into the Democratic Party by saying that you're liberal in your belief in this. And this is the way in which they've created a new voter class. My theory as it relates to this immigration, right? Because the civil rights movement was hijacked by the feminist movement. The feminist movement was just then hijacked by the alphabet community movement. The alphabet community movement is now going to be hijacked by the migrant crisis, right? This is my theory. They're creating a new voter class. It's a new voter block in order to keep them in power. Power is the most important thing. Think about all of these legislators, right? All of them hold public office. None of them is supposed to be making an egregious amount of money. They all make regular salaries like everybody else. All the old Congress members, all the old legislators, all of them have a net worth in the millions. How? How? If you are a public servant, how do you become rich as a Congress member? You and your spouse. Individually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Power. Yeah. It's all power. It's all, in my opinion, Influence. it's all manufactured. It's all 100% manufactured, man. Listen, everything comes back down to the money. 
We being finessed, they promised y'all student loan forgiveness. Man, you don't think that Biden knew that he wasn't going to be able to give y'all student loan forgiveness when he got in office? If he did, he would have did it as soon as he got in there. As soon as he got in. He knew he couldn't give y'all no student loan forgiveness. Yeah, all of America. <laughs> you know what Obama's not, you know what Obama ran on? You know what his slogan was? Hope. Hope. Oh my. Hope. <laughs> he ran on hope. That's the that's the truth for y'all. <laughs> It's crazy. He gave y'all Obama phones. <laughs> so, but in turn, he is giving Ukraine what? Yeah. Oh, that's all control. <laughs> Listen, it's it's all incentive. I'm telling y'all, go back to the money. Listen, there's industries that are being, becoming interdependent and they're controlling a the narrative of what's going on with regard to what's going on in Ukraine. Think about it, man. If you have a shortage here or their main export is, is this... And then they can control the narrative of what happens, what, what, what's going over in Ukraine. It's the government contractors. Listen, even if you want to talk about the migrant crisis, let's bring it back to that. I'll use that as an example. Nobody is asking questions as to who's getting all of this money. Chicago has spent over close to a half a billion dollars. Where is it going? To who? Who's at the head of these companies that's receiving all of this, this, this financial assistance that's helping them manufacture what's going on with the migrant crisis? Why are these numbers so inflated? Why does it take $150,000 in order to support a family of three in less than a year? Where is this money going? Who is it going to? Who are the contractors? Who are the vendors? Who are bidding for these contracts? Who are automatically getting awarded without the bids, right? It all comes back down to the money, all of it. This ain't no, this ain't no war based off of freedom. This is war based off of money and resources and who's controlling the dollar. I don't even want to say the companies that's at the top of the food chain that's really controlling what's happening within your legislative branches. Why do they have lobbyists? Right? It's crazy. I don't let me, even want to now, get let, into let that. me ask you this. Uh, COVID hit. Uh, the world's <laughs> fucked up. Did you know once all that money was getting flooded into the economy that this inflation was, did you, you, you saw it coming? A hundred percent. Did you think? I, I caught it. Yeah. Did you see how bad, did you, what, back when it happened, how bad do you think it was going to gonna get and how quickly from I, what you thought? Listen, listen. And why is it still bad? <laughs> and why oh, is it still bad? we haven't even, we not even, we not even close to seeing the residual effects right. of it, right? Yeah. If you didn't, listen, when somebody protests for $15 an hour, this was a while ago, right? Now they're trying to pay fast food workers $30 an hour in order to make a taco, right? When somebody protests for that, let's say they get it. Are they really going to be making $30 an hour? They not. The reason that they're they not going to be making $30 an hour is because the cost of that then gets passed over into the consumer, which is then in a residual effect of everything else, right? In order for you to make $30 an hour, we also got to be able to pay this guy, right? Because the tacos is going to be costing $15 now. In order for the tacos to cost $15, you also got to be able to pay this, the, the, the supplier, the distributor. You got to pay the truck drivers. You got to pay the logistics company. Now housing is going to go up, right? Everything is, is interconnected. So the middle class will never get ahead because they're the ones that's paying for all of the taxes. I'm not going to pay no taxes. How you going to pay that? Because I don't need the money in order to substantiate my lifestyle. Let's say I make a million dollars a year, right? My goal is to get rid of 930,000 of it. Why? So that I could be in a 12% tax bracket because I understand that it's a net worth game, not how much money you make. I don't wanna be in a ta top tax bracket. I wanna make a little bit over $70,000 a year on paper, right? So my goal is this, this is my goal. My goal is to increase my net worth and reduce the amount of money that I have to pay in taxes. 
This is a life lesson for y'all. All right. I know that they're not they're not teaching y'all this in school. All of you NFL players, all of you rappers is out here throwing a money phone, but you don't know shit about money. Let me break it down for you, big dog. You make a million dollars a year. You can extrapolate that out, out to two million, three million, five million, twenty. Let's say you make a million dollars a year just to use a round number. Your goal is to get rid of nine hundred thirty thousand dollars of it. How do you do that? You then invest in things. The government incentivizes business owners, real estate holders, et cetera, to invest in themselves. Well, why would I do that? Because what it does is it reduces the amount of money I have to pay in taxes because I can write that off as a business expense, right? The cars that I need to use, the, the flights that I have to take is in order to be able to you know, help my business, to do research, to go and look at prospects, opportunities, right? Research and development, investing in cameras, whatever it is that I'm doing, it's a business expense. I can write that off. What it does is it increases my net worth because it allows for me to make more money, and it allows me for me to invest in assets that's going to appreciate over time. So if I pay for this real estate, right? The goal in real estate is not to make money from real estate. The goal in real estate is to get rid of the money and be able to park it somewhere where I know that it's going to continue to increase over time as far as increasing my net worth. So I want to get rid of $930,000 in order to make sure that I put it into something that's going to increase in value. I can write that off as a business expense. It's still my asset. It increases in value over time. And I pay less than 12% taxes on $70,000. I made a million, but I paid less in taxes than you if you made $100,000 a year. Man, and my net worth is going up. The key to that, though, the number one key to that is A, stop maintaining your lifestyle based off of how much money that you make. If you become interdependent on your income in order to maintain a lifestyle, you can't write it off because that's a personal expense. Let me break it down for you one more time. Stop using the money that you make in order to maintain a lifestyle. Reduce your lifestyle for an extended period of time. Allow for your assets to then pay for your lifestyle. If you're going over here to do business, me and you are both taking a flight to Florida. I'm going over there for business. You going over there to shake your ass over there on Miami Beach. I'm writing it off as a business expense. You had to go to work and pay taxes in order to pay for you to go over there to Miami. It's two different mentalities. It's two different ways in which we're going to make money, right? I'm reducing the amount of money that I'm paying in taxes legally. And you're going to continue to pay taxes and you're going to pay for them roads and you're going to pay for them migrants and you're going to pay for these hoes and you're going to pay for all of these social programs. And the middle class is the ones that's going to be suffering. It's never going to be me. I'm yeah. never going to be the one to suffer as a result of what it is that's going on in society. That's what I was going to ask. Um, you're from Detroit to where sure. you see the societal uh, situations going on to where. A lot of that stuff is fixed. The schools tax money. The roads tax money. Do you not, do you not want to give more taxes? Nah. <laughs> For what? I pay too many taxes as it is, right? Is I pay taxes on the people that I employ. Yeah. I pay employment taxes. I pay, I pay payroll. I put people to work. I create jobs. I build an infrastructure as far as building these buildings and these houses. I hire contractors in order to put this concrete in, excavation crews, tree cutting services, permitting for the offices that we pull in the permits for, that we build in these houses for. I'm already paying too much in taxes as it is. See, the way that I get taxed is much different than the way that you get taxed. It's just that I'm looking at it from a business perspective because it's going to make me more money in the end. Yeah. So I'm still paying more than you in taxes, right? We just look at it differently and it comes out differently. Man, I have to ask um, America, you know, this experiment called America. Mm. And I got to ask you as far as your thoughts towards the black man's mentality. When I see a movie like, um, let's say, Django Unchained, yeah. uh, you see Samuel Jackson in the big house. Mm -hmm. uh, he don't really want no other black man in the big house. And that <laughs> seems to be like a mentality that goes on to where like once I reach this level of success, 
within my Caucasian counterparts, I really don't want to see a bunch of us in there because I know what we might bring to tarnish what I did to get here. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that is a mentality that kind of suffers through the black community? I don't see a lot of people reaching down. They say they do, but a lot of people don't reach down and pull up, whether it's through information, whether it's through opportunity and things like that. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Fuck the black community. Yeah. <laughs> Worst fuck the black life. culture, fuck the black community. I don't give a fuck about these motherfuckers, bro. I rock with people based off of the content of their character, literally, and not the color of their skin. If you black and you a good person, I fuck with you. If you black and you a robber, fuck you, right? If you white and you a good person, I fuck with you. If you white and you a robber, fuck you. But the fact that we keep separating ourselves based off of skin color is the thing that keep you distracted from the idea that you think it's a race war and it's really a class war. It ain't never been a race war. It's always been a class war. It's the haves and the have nots. And the thing that keep it, listen, the fastest way for somebody to finesse you is to call themselves a blackity black. It's to use proper, <laughs> if it was so easy for us to solve for the problem of aligning ourselves, and if all of these leaders was gonna be able to do so, then how come they ain't did it yet? Umar Johnson been building this school for 15 fucking years. Where is it at, yo? Where? <laughs> Where's it at? And then he got the nerve to be talking shit about LeBron James and his I Promise school. That's crazy. Listen, the reason that LeBron James are able to, to, to do some of the things that he's doing in the community, and I think that LeBron is getting a bad rap for that I Promise school because you can't fucking force your kids to do the things that they're supposed to do. You got to fix the core root of the issue, and it's the parents. Right? Teachers are overglorified babysitters, and they're catching a bad rap because the parents ain't parenting before they get to school. All right, so that's number one. You gotta create the environment for the parents to be able to thrive that then allows for them to divest themselves from our cultural norms that allows for them to put in their kids what they're supposed to do so they can pay attention to fucking school, all right? But here's the thing. It's the culture that's trash. It's the things that we celebrate the most. And that's why I align myself with people based off of character because it was never based off of the idea of race. Race was the thing that was used in order to keep you distracted. They keep using race in order to justify the fact that they think that you're behind. I see immigrants come over here every single day and they African, they from Nigeria, they from all over the fucking globe and they work their ass off and they become more successful than you. How is that possible when you born here? How is that possible when you born here, right? I don't have to pull you up. You got all of the opportunity in the world to do so. I'm not fucking with nobody just because they black. I hate when I see businesses to say it's a black owned business. I'd be like, oh, so you just trying to get a leg up? Because we the same color, man. I don't know who the fuck you could be beating your wife in the other room. I'm supposed to give you my money just because you black? I don't know what you're doing in your spare time. All of the people, listen, the dudes that, that carjacked me in Detroit, they look just like me. They look just like me. Now, that don't mean that I'm supposed to look at another black person and say, oh, man, you bad because they carjacked me. But I evaluate each and individual person based off of who they are. Not what the color of their skin is, because I done seen a lot of finessers look like me. It's just flat out. Some of the greatest opportunities that I ever got in my lifetime was based off of somebody. It was a pale white woman. A pale white woman was, was brighter than them lights, and she, on her dying wish on her deathbed, I was working at the University of Michigan, and she did some of the greatest things. She had uh, She died of cancer. And um, I think it was leukemia or something like that, but she wound up dying of cancer. And one of her dying wishes before she passed away was she ensured that I got hired in as a permanent employee because I came in as a contractor. She made sure that I got the best benefits, the best package before she passed away. Now I'm supposed to forget her and forget what it is that she did to me or she did for me as a good person and and try to say that she, she lesser of a person than the motherfucker that tried to carjack me. 
That's crazy. Well, that's a beautiful story. But mm-hmm. I tend to think that uh, those good graces come from all the motherfuckers they finessed before they got to you. How? Ain't nobody that's alive today that was a part of slavery. Huh? Ain't not one person alive today that was a part of slavery. No, for sure. Most of these motherfuckers that's claiming that they didn't been through something may never experienced no racism in their life. Well, uh, I guess it's the systemic part that we still... The, what's the, systemic the, about it? Systemic racism? Mm-hmm. Shit. Tell me what's systemic about it. Uh, I don't see it. Wait, wait. Did, did they uh, change... Uh, what's the um, the uh, what's the thing where you got to hire a certain amount of colored people or whatever? That's racist uh, in itself. Yeah, I know. Affirmative <laughs> action? Affirmative action, yeah. That's racist. Um, there's some companies that's pulling that back. They're saying, hey, we're... Uh, yeah, they did away with it. Yeah, they're Largely. Like, yeah. yeah, the Supreme Court did away with affirmative action. Yeah. Shout out to the Supreme Court. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, let's get That's it. racist in itself. That yeah. means that you're not getting in on your merits. You're getting in based off of the fact that they had to include you. I know so many people that got into college based off of the fact that they was a part of a diversity, equity, and inclusion program, and we they gotta, flunked the fuck out. Right. We got to put you they in here. Couldn't, <laughs> they couldn't even handle it because they wasn't prepared to be able to, to, be able to compete on a, on a larger scale. So you don't believe in systemic racism? A- absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's uh, too much money for it to be a systemic racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too much money. Listen, the biggest racist that I've ever seen in my life was in y'all own, it was in y'all, y'all, y'all living rooms. Go go and put a camera inside of a black living room and see what grandpapa and grandmama is talking about. Mm, nah. They got some of the wildest takes that I've ever seen in my entire life. Nah, for real. We're like, is that racist? <laughs> Dad, are you racist? And we just <laughs> overlook it like it's no big deal. Nah, right? Listen. I don't believe in systemic racism in the United States of America. It's too many people getting too much money. And I ain't even talking about black people. Listen, think about it like this. If it was systemic racism based off a race, right? Then why are white people literally slightly above us when it comes to the amount of money that they make per household? Why are the majority of white people the ones that's on federal government programs? Why are they the ones that's the biggest welfare recipients? Where is it at? How come it's not benefiting them? Why are they not working in their own best interest? Why are the ones that's making the most per household Asian and Indian? Why are they not holding them back? Why did we pass the Asian hate crime bill? You know why? It's about this. It's about cultural norms. Tell me where the systemic racism is and why it's not working for them, but it's only working against us. Yeah, it sounds like an excuse. Uh... Because once somebody gets past it, they're like, okay, the excuse is Well, let's say that it is, right? Let's say hypothetically that it's really a thing. Let's let's substantiate that argument. Then what? Uh, You fight the system. How? Uh, You move. (laughs) You know what you do? You win. (laughs) Listen, the biggest thing that they can do for you is tell you that it's an excuse for why it is that you wasn't successful. Yeah. And no sports program. And the reason why these kids are soft is because they give them participation trophies. Let's say that your coach is against you. What do you do? You fucking win. Yeah. You prove them wrong. And they say you can't. And the, and the thing that you're supposed to do, even if you felt like it was true, then you're supposed to work 10 times harder in order to change the dynamic for somebody to come after you, not use it as an excuse for why you wasn't successful. Yeah. I was the only person in most of my classes for software engineering. The only person that looked like me in a class of software engineering. You think that I was going to wait for somebody to tell me that I was okay in order for me to be successful? I worked I worked, I worked all of the motherfuckers. I go. stayed over. I made sure that I networked effectively. 
I did what I had to do in order to feed my family. Now I have the opportunity to put somebody else in a position of power. Systemic racism don't exist because it's never going to be an excuse, even if it was real, as to why I can't be successful. Nobody can stop me. How I'm going to say I believe in God, but I'm going to let a man control my fate? Yeah. can't stop me from being great. It's almost like telling a big person you can't fit through this door and like, all right, I'm going to just work out. What you going to do to me? Listen, listen. <laughs> the only thing that you can do is stay the fuck out of my way. Because mm. you're going to be in trouble. If it's me or you, you going down, bro. Because I don't fucking sleep. That's I'm going to do whatever it takes in order to put my daughter through college without no student loans. you going down. Listen, I hope you on my team. It's better for you to be with me than against me. Everybody that's an enemy of me, anybody that's ever had a problem with me in my life, anybody that's ever did anything to me, I got a fucking list. I'm on your ass. You don't even know that you an enemy. And that's You don't even know that you an enemy. I'm on your ass, bro. Listen, listen. I have a list in this phone right here. <laughs> I got a list of people since I was 12 years old that told me what it is that I couldn't do. Yeah. That told me that I wasn't going to be successful. Shout out to my calculus teacher in high school. That motherfucker told my, my now wife, stay away from him because he ain't no good. I've been married for 20 fucking years. I'm on his ass. Mm. Ain't nothing you can do to stop me, man. Listen, it's my always, it's mine to lose, not yours to take away from me. You can't do nothing about it. I can't say that I believe in God and, I, and he has control over my life and it's whatever it is that his will is. But then I'm subjecting myself to a man based off of the color of his skin. Fuck you. Can't nobody tell me what to do. Can't nobody control my fate. I don't believe in nothing that nobody say. I only believe in myself. Mm. I am a God because I was made in his image. Nobody controls my fate except for me. I'm the greatest that there is that ever did it. And it's only a matter of time before you realize it, but I'm not doing it for you. Listen, the journey is for me. The results is for you. You pay attention to it. All these motherfuckers just now started listening. Man, it was people in my own family that told me I wasn't going to be successful. Now look at them. I employ them motherfuckers. Yeah. Ain't nothing you can do to stop me. Listen, the minute that you start making excuses, whether you say it's systematic racism or another man or your own motherfucking person that's laying next to you, 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 you lose favor in my eyes. I don't see you because I don't, I don't align myself with losers. I align myself with winners and winners win. Winners and they win. create the opportunities for everybody else. I don't subject myself to that. I'll never be, ever, ever be dependent on somebody else in order for me to make sure that I take care of my family. I'm always going to create the opportunities. So that's why I want to ask you, um, you know, we talked about power, money, fame, but I want to ask you how important for you is legacy. And I say that with the sense that you, you made mention earlier that don't ever become a stepfather without kids and take care of someone else's kids. Mm -hmm. That same man could be successful and he has no one to leave it to. Mm -hmm. Mom, dad, gone, no sisters, no brothers. He wants to possibly pass on his legacy to something mm -hmm. and fuck maybe stepchildren. Fuck he them fucked step them kids. Still fuck them kids. Fuck what, your regular kids. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on legacy to what you, who you are after you're gone? Let me ask you a question, right? Because the, the, the argument with legacy largely comes with tying yourself to kids, right? The people that come out of your loins, your lineage, right? Yeah, we obsess right now with tracing our lineage, how much we have of this in our blood or whatever. Let me ask y'all a question. Right off the top of y'all head, what the fuck is Martin Luther King's kids doing? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you don't think so? So, 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 then is his, is his legacy defined by his kids or is his legacy defined by what it is that he's done in this society 
that then imparts or impacts what it is that people is thinking about him or how it is that he affects people's thought process going forward for the rest of their lives. Because I don't believe that your legacy is defined by the kids that you have. I believe that your legacy is defined by how you impact people and whether or not you leave this earth in a better space had you not been here, right? Listen, I'm a Bible guy. We all, or if you read the Old Testament, God made a covenant with Abraham that his seed would, num- out- would outnumber the earth, that it would be like sand, right? And in the Old Testament, nobody really understood it. And if you're reading it and you don't actually read the New Testament, which is one of the reasons why you got to read both, you would think that that promise fell flat on its face, right? The manifestation of that was Jesus coming and then professing himself, right, or giving his life for the salvation of the rest of us, which then made us all seeds of Abraham. The manifestation of it, just because you don't understand it at the time, don't necessarily mean that you that you're actually living in your purpose. Meaning that even though you don't understand it, if you believe it and you actually going towards wherever it is that you're supposed to be going towards, you'll still fulfill it. The seed of Abraham is now the rest of the people that are now believers. Right. It's not based off of how many kids that he had. And so if we translate that and we also use our real life examples, take the Martin Luther King. Right. His legacy can be debated. Every fucking street that says Martin Luther King on it in every city across America is fucked up. That means that we don't honor his legacy. What it is that he sacrificed as a result of us. All of the civil rights leaders, white and black, freedom riders, right? They sacrifice their lives in order for us to vote. We don't even educate ourselves enough to even understand who we voting for, let alone even participate in our local elections. All across, the, all across America, in every urban community, the turnout rate is less than 10% for your local election. We don't honor their legacy, right? But then we want to have a conversation about children. And most of y'all children is fucked up. Mm, talk to me, so is legacy also defined by how fucked up your children are? Is that a reflection of who you are as a parent? Legacy supposed to go both ways. I hate the Jordan debate. Oh. I hate the Jordan debate. You know why I hate the Jordan debate? Because we only remember the six, the six victories. We don't remember when he came back and Horace Grant and Orlando Magic kicked his ass. We don't remember that part. We don't remember the fact that Isaiah Thomas and the Pistons beat his ass in 89-90. We don't remember that he got his ass kicked all throughout the 80s before he ever got Pippen, and then he wound up winning. Listen, it doesn't take away from the fact that he was a winner. It don't take away from the fact that he made six finals, but we define it as, well, six finals. What about all of the rest of the times he got his ass kicked in the playoffs? Them don't count, too? I think, I think The losses don't count as much as the wins? I think Jordan get a pass because his shoes, honestly. Cool, that's I, dope. That's <laughs> but, but my point is that why don't we include the entire picture? We don't include the Wizards, Jordan, too? We don't include his, his ownership stint? We don't include that part, too? We don't include, listen, we don't include his off-the-court ventures? Golf. <laughs> we don't include them big fucking suits that he wore? His fashion? Because we want to say the shoes was dope, but we don't want to fucking look at them suits that he was wearing, though, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, is legacy entirely defined by the entirety of it, or is it only defined by the wins? Because we only, we only want to take the wins. We don't want to acknowledge the losses. If your kids is fucked up, do they also define your legacy? No. Uh, hold on. Hold, hold on. Oh, yeah. What I heard was leg, legacy is bullshit that they use to enchain, chain up your thoughts and have you believe in the saving money for a motherfucker who gonna fuck it off. When people, 
like Jackie Chan. <laughs> they don't even leave their money to their kids. They said they, his I kids got to work for their own I think that money. you should leave something to your children, right? And that you should not leave them because most of us are dying and leaving debt to our kids. Correct. Right? So I think that it is necessarily for you to leave something to your kids as far as an inheritance. You, sh you should also leave them with the life lessons that allow for them to be successful and not mess it up or let them ruin their lives as a result of it. But I largely believe that legacy is defined by whether or not you leave this earth in a better space had you not been here. So did you come up here and soak up resources and just die and you actually left nothing for anybody to actually uh, benefit as a result of you being here? Or were you a nuisance? Did you make things difficult? And then as a result of it, you know what I'm saying? Like, did you, did you make this earth better? Or was it worse as a result of you here? Did you just come up here and soak up resources, make things difficult for somebody, make a bunch of kids and die off? Or did you actually do something that was meaningful to make the earth a better space? I think that that's what defines legacy. I love it. Um, let's do it like this, because, you know, uh, I got to talk about some current events with you. For sure. Uh, before we even get to the most recent, um, uh, you know, we had, a, you know, Charleston White up here. Shout out to my dog. Shout out to Charleston. Charleston. Uh, uh, Y'all uh, yeah, went on a tear. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all went on a, a full tear. That's um, my guy, man. What did you see in him for you to even start bringing him on your platform? What, what did you see that? My people that was subscribed to me, they said, hey, man, <laughs> I think I'm going to rock out. And um, you know what I'm saying? I brought him over to Detroit, and we had just been rocking out ever since. We didn't we didn't did everything. Went to the games. Yeah. I came to Dallas. I didn't visit his family. Shout out to his brother, his mother, yeah, K, all uh, of them. K -White, uh, yeah, went to the, yeah, K. White went to and all that. And so... It's just, listen, I, I just think that real recognize real. I do fucking good business. Um, I don't use people. Uh, if you love somebody, you'll actually make sure that they take care of them. And, you know, you'll take care of them and you'll pay them what they're worth. And so I treat my brothers better than I treat the people in the street. And so I consider him a, consider him a brother. And that's my guy. I think that Charleston is, is, is one of the greatest people that I've ever met in my entire life. Man, amazing. Amazing. It's my guy. Uh, shout out to Dewberry too. Yeah, shout out Dewberry. Shout out Dewberry. Um, yeah. Do you have a new? Do you have a new Charleston White interview in the tuck? Are you? Uh, are y'all? Are y'all lining back up to do something else? Nah, Charleston had went on tour for a while. He did. He did. Yeah, he and he kind of disappeared out of our purview for a yeah, while. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So he was out there with T.K. Kirkland. Yeah, shouts out to the uh, success of comedy. You know. Yeah, yeah. Too. So he was out there with T.K. Kirkland, and uh, I heard that that didn't. That kind of went a little south. Yeah. <laughs> Last of the good five shows. Yeah. Last of the good five. Supposed to be 80 shows. Yeah, Last of the good yeah, five. yeah. So, but he was out there doing his thing or whatever. So I plan on linking up, linking back up with Charleston um, because I had just got busy. I had did that fucking Fleece energy, uh, Fleece Johnson yeah, interview. Yeah, yeah. That's, that was the next question. How yeah, was that? I did the Fleece Johnson interview. Now, yeah. Now, mind you, and mind you, uh, there was one interview he did right before that. And I'm sure your fans probably said, hey, or you probably knew to get him. Cause we even when Which we saw, I did Brittany Renner, Lamar, yeah, Adam, all of them. When we saw Fleece get out, we said we probably want to grab them ourselves. Um, <laughs> but you did an amazing job on that interview. Yeah. Um, like, how I was that? And were you expecting? Like you always have a level of expectation when you go into an interview mm -hmm. of either over or under achieving what well, you thought first, it might as be. As soon as I met him, I knew that it was going to be lit. <laughs> because because you know I asked him and. and I'm like, yo, is it anything that I can't ask you? He's like, no, nah, ask me everything. I'm going to be real with you. Like, he was overly excited to share all of the information. Plus, on top of that, right, um, he had, they had gave me some insight on what the fuck was happening with Vlad, right? Mm -hmm. So Vlad, um, allegedly, right, was saying that he turned down a Fleece Johnson interview. It's bullshit. It's all bullshit. 
right? Vlad tried to finesse, right? According to what was communicated with me. And you know what I'm saying? I wind up making that shit right with him. And so, you know, I connected and we linked up and, you know, we did what we did. But in reality, I already knew that it was going to be lit. And my biggest thing when I interview people is I want them to actually express and say what they really feel. I'm not there to debate you. I'm not there to try to convince you to say something differently or whatever. I just want to get your authentic thoughts. And so whatever he was going to say, that's what I was fucking with. And that's what I was going to be rocking with. And so when he started talking that shit, the only thing that I can think to my, myself was, oh, this is going to be lit. Yeah. Like, I don't got no ego. I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm secure in who I am. So I don't care if somebody say anything to me. That, that don't mean nothing to me. When your when your wife was your wife in the room when uh, he started flirting with wife you? security everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you see me, I, I roll yeah. with security, right? So they're like, "What? Nothing popping?" She was cracking up. She thought that shit was hilarious. Man, I was dying. His bro. management, her, they was all cracking. Security, they was laughing like a mug, bro. Right. We was all chilling. Um, I want your take on the uh, the Deion Sanders. Oh, shout uh, out to Deion aura. Sanders. Yeah, that's yeah. going on right now in Colorado yeah. State, uh, yeah. the Buffaloes. Uh, he's changing the face of college football as we look at it with mm-hmm. branding, with with excitement, with, with, with electricity, as The Rock said. Yep. Um, what are your thoughts when you see that? And also doing it with his family, doing it with his sons. I think that once his son go over to the NFL, he going to. Ah, I can see that. Deion Sanders. I think he going, he, his whole goal is to create a legacy for both himself and his son beyond what it is that he did in football. Uh, Deion Sanders is an NFL coach. He's the, he's the most dynamic person that's in sports today. He is captivating the sports world. College football centers around. I see Deion Sanders being talked about more than any other team inside of the NFL. Any other team inside of the NFL. Yeah. All of the rappers, everybody want to go and visit. You can't get no flights over to Colorado. Their games are sold the fuck out. <laughs> Bold he over there, yeah, he over there killing it, whatever. Right there was a trash team before he got there. He completely transformed it. The thing that we should be having a conversation about is all of the people that was hating on him before he got there. Yes. And everybody that tried to front on him about Jackson State when Jackson State was finessing me, finessing him, and they didn't give him what it is that he was promised. And here's the real, here's the real conversation that we should be having, right? Why is it that? The people that look like you do you the worst and then they want to hold you accountable when then you you start to come up when you do business with people that don't look like you. Right. Everybody that hated on him looked like him. The very institution that he supported and brought up was the institution that did him dirty. Right. Why is it that HBCUs couldn't get their shit together in order to make sure that they support him? They should have thrown him everything that he wanted. They should have rolled out the red carpet. Shouldn't have been no negotiation. Deion Sanders, you get whatever it is that you want. It shouldn't have been any conversation whatsoever. What do you want? All right, let me figure out how I can make it happen, even if we don't have it. Do you believe there? Do you believe in doubt? Like doubt exists. From who? From those who are. How come it wasn't no doubt with Colorado? They rolled out. Listen, when when he <laughs> went to that, that's, that's the question. when he yeah. went to Colorado, they, they had said a blank check. <laughs> they said we don't even have the money to get. They didn't it have to, the money, but we gonna figure out how to get it for and you. Now, and now yeah, and now and six months later. <laughs> but but here's my point. How come they can figure it out, but we can't? Yeah, I think there was doubt. I there was think a lot it's, of doubt. It's the culture. It's the culture by which we subject ourselves to because we expect for people to do more for us than we're willing to do for ourselves. And I think you should always go where you celebrate it, not where you tolerate it. Listen, it's the same thing when it comes to relationships, bro. It's the same thing when it comes to relationships. 
You don't sit and deal with a black woman that's unruly just because she black. Go and get your motherfucking passport, bro. And go somewhere where you celebrated, not where you tolerated. You don't sit here and subject yourself to the worst of us just because you of it. You evolve past it. You are not your circumstance. You are something greater than what you currently subjecting yourself to. And it's the same thing when it came to Deion Sanders. Don't sit here and talk to me about where it is that he should have stayed. Listen, everybody got that revisionist history. What the reality is this, we not holding Jackson State accountable. We not holding these HBCUs accountable. We not holding the people that continue to hate on him accountable. The reality was this. He should have been celebrated and he should have never left because they incentivized him to stay, not because he had any kind of um, obligation to then do something greater for the people that wouldn't do it for themselves. Yeah, it's I don't nonsense. know. I don't know why they didn't do that. Um, and uh, you know, I see Charleston White trending right now, going at his son. I, I know we we know Charleston. I haven't even seen it. What did he say? Uh, oh, he he said twenty thousand dollars to whoever could take out uh, Shador uh, Sanders. <laughs> twenty thousand for whoever could take him out. <laughs> But I think he's he's, I play, he, he's playing into it, man. He's a he, he, Charleston to kind of know <laughs> yeah, what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I got to get your thoughts on this because you know you're a kind of a, a relationship guru. You kind of right. you you kind of know what it is. I know um, what it means to be successfully married. When you really. see Jeezy and Jenny May, mm-hmm. Jeezy filing for divorce. Yeah. Um, did you see that coming? Absolutely. Wow. She she here in the United States of America, right? Yeah. The overwhelming majority of women here is tainted. If anybody has ever traveled traveled overseas, if you went over to Tokyo, if you went anywhere, you understand that the cultures is completely different. It don't matter if you're Asian, black, white, Hispanic, Latino, Arabic, whatever it is that you are, right? Korean, Chinese, Japanese, whatever. If you are over here in America, if you had your wife over there and you brought her over here in America, she's going to be tainted. She's going to be tainted by the culture, right? And it's a completely different mindset that you have to have in order to be Listen, I I believe this. I don't even believe, and this is, you know, just my opinion. I don't believe that Jeezy really, really was rocking with it. I think that it was a a pivot that Jeezy was trying to make to move over into the corporate world. Yeah, I felt that. I think that it was a business decision, right? I I think that Jeezy was trying to get away from being Mr. 17.5 and starting to, you know, be looked at a little bit differently. I don't think that he was able to successfully pivot. And I think he had to align himself with somebody that was a lot more relevant, like somebody like that, in order to then, you know, secure bigger bags, more corporate sponsorships, more opportunities that's outside of what it is that he had to subject himself to in rap. You know, you know, I felt like that, too. But then, you know, I see him in his spaces like. In all these hip hop spaces, still going by Jeezy, still trying yeah, because, to drop because that's where the money is. I get that, but it's like, it's like you can't you can't be trap Jeezy and be. How was he dressing? He was dressing very very suited, suited and booted. Suited and booted. I mean, but you got a song with. Uh, I think that Jeezy wanted to be Jay Z. Yeah, I. I, I <laughs> Jeezy wanted to transition over into it. the J world. Right. He wanted to switch over. He wanted to cross over and tap into a completely different audience and transition over into businessman. I think that Jeezy wants to be looked at differently than what it is that he came in like. Right. I don't think that Jeezy want to be remembered as Mr. 17.5. I think that he's going to continue to secure them bags because that's the thing that pays the bills. That's the thing that continues to generate income. Right. He has his play to his core audience. He come to Detroit, his second home every single year in order to do a show and all of that. And so you got to be able to get the bag. But I don't think that that's what Jeezy wants for his legacy long term. I think he wants something different than Mr. 17.5. That was one of the ways he tried to play it. And it failed spectacularly. I, I think. That and I, you know, spectacular. I, I, and I agree, but I feel like 
Jay-Z didn't really get his pivot until he married Beyonce. Correct. So he just grabbed the wrong the wrong girl. He did. Like, <laughs> well, he, he grabbed not only did he grab the wrong girl, but you also still have to have that business mindset, right? To make a transition over to something different takes a, a longer period of time. The amount of time that Jay-Z had to navigate through becoming the businessman that he is today, he had to have a lot of business successes before they started to take him serious in that world, right? Mm -hmm. And you had to have a group of people to forget who you were. It ain't been enough time passed for us to remember or to, or to change our minds about who Mr. 17.5 was. I still remember his 17.5. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so it takes time and it takes a lot of successes outside of rap music in order for us to start to believe that and see you differently. Jay had... The Rock Aware, right? Rock Nation, uh, Title, right? He's Live Nation. All of these different business ventures that he secured. He had multiple different partnerships with Samsung and all of these different places, right? He continued to level up. He's had successful tours with his girl. And so you you see a lot of that, that transition over into Jay-Z's life. Now he got dreads and he looked like a hippie. Now we don't even see Jay-Z as reasonable, you, reasonable you, doubt Jay-Z no more. You know why I think that is? Because... <laughs> Boys ain't jamming Jay-Z no more. Boys are still trapping to that Jeezy, man. <laughs> and then, listen, listen, I'm, let, me, let, me, let me talk my guy Jeezy. I believe Thug Motivation 101 Bro. is a top five album of all time. I, I, I was listening to it yesterday. That is a top five to album yesterday. Of, from the time that it cut on to the time that it go off. Hey. It is a top five album hey. of all time. It ranks up there. Listen. The very few albums can touch that. Yeah. Very few. Very few albums can touch touch Thug Motivation 101. I believe that that is, listen, that is one of the greatest albums out of the South ever. Right along with Outkast's AT Aliens. Right? Listen, I got some, some albums. I, I'm a hip hop head to my core. I believe that Jeezy's album is a top of all time and it's the thing that's going to keep him in the hood. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I feel like a person who transitioned very well, ASAP <laughs> <A> Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, ASAP Rocky deserved to be right up there with Stedman. ASAP <laughs> Rocky. Listen, you know who fucked up? You know who really fucked up? Nicki Minaj's baby daddy. But that nigga, man, that nigga. Kenneth Petty should have been ASAP Rocky, aka Stepman. <laughs> Stepman is a legend. We don't even know if Stepman is. Stepman is a legend. We don't know if that's his first or his last name. You're right. <laughs> we don't even know what Stepman's first or last name is. Is it is it his first or his last name? Stepman been killing the game forever. We don't know nothing about him. He just living. He winning, right? He just winning. ASAP Rocky. We don't even recognize him for music anymore. Where's ASAP Ferg? Where is he? Where is he? Where's ASAP <laughs> yeah, where they at? <laughs> we know ASAP for fashion. Right. Straight up. Fashion. That's Rihanna's baby daddy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Same thing that Kenneth Petty should have been. Now he out here getting fucking restraining and orders and getting laughed at by Offset. And now the court is telling him <laughs> that he got to stay home. You know what I'm saying? And he can't come out because he's trying to be a thug and he wants the spotlight. Now he got to get permission to go in the, in the school zone. You know what I'm saying? Shut the fuck up. Leave play your life. position and stop trying to be in the spotlight. Safari should have been the same way. Uh, yeah. Safari should have been the same way, but this motherfucker want to be all in the spotlight. You know what I'm saying? He want to he want to he want to get the the limelight on him. He want to do interviews, man. man. You should shut the fuck up and let her do her man, thing, bro. Speaking of cuz you said this earlier and I wanted to really touch on this. 
you was talking about Diddy and how he was just a influencer. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us are just influencers of this and we have no real stake in the brands yes. that we build. Like, how do we get out of the space of because these brands and these cultures, even like I remember I watched an interview where they, uh, Jim Jones was talking about the brand Supreme. Yeah. And he was like, we built Supreme. Facts. And he was like, they don't they don't even give us no clothes. Well, they should, and they shouldn't. You're right. <laughs> yeah, you was you was a for hire. Right. I, listen, I believe this. First of all, you got to stop attaching a merch to yourself. Correct. If you want to brand something, then it has to be bigger than you. And a lot of us want to be want the brand to be interdependent on us. We want to name it after us. We want to have it after our kids. We want to do all of this dumb stuff, right? If you want to blow up a brand, the first thing that you have to do is make it interdependent. Not make it interdependent on you. It has to be able to exist on its own. You're just a paid sponsor of it. Think of yourself as a person that's an equity partner in it, right? You're using your influence to bring awareness to it, but the brand has to be able to stay on its own. But we don't want to grow something from scratch. We want something that's already ready made, and then we want equity in it. Ciroc was in existence before Diddy got to it. He said it. Ciroc, now, it may have been a brand that was losing, but it was already created. And then he had to beg for equity in it, and they said, no, forget you. Right. But so we don't want to build it from scratch. We don't want to have the legacy. We, we don't want to create anything yep. that have any long term growth in it yep. because we want the fast money. And we want to listen. The thing that ruined a lot of us is that we looked at entertainers and rappers as our idols yeah. and everything associated with them is fast money. We've never been taught to grow something from scratch. We never got the business principles. We never went to business school. Nobody got an MBA. Nobody actually did the legwork and went into corporate America. Nobody actually built anything from scratch. Nobody is actually taking the, the, the risks, right? And we're afraid to fail. We're afraid to fail because we look, we look at that as a strike on our resume. The failures is, is what make you great. And so it's a lot of failures, especially creating brands that allow for you to be able to get those lessons that you can then input in something else that allows you to be successful long term. Right. And so you don't get the business acumen. You got to take your bumps and bruises and you got to suffer along the way. And then you never get the lessons because then we age out. And nobody is fucking with us at that point. And so I believe that if you start to actually look at the things that are successful, Rihanna built her brand and now she's no longer dependent on music so much so to where she ain't even thinking about dropping an album no more. Right. right. She created something from scratch and then it didn't have the name Rihanna on it. It was literally its own brand. And then she leveraged everybody else's influence in order to continue to blow it up. We don't want to do that. We want that fast money. We want that quick money. If we was looking at the way that 50 did it with vitamin water, he got equity in it. Even when it comes to corporate America, right? Because this is not just attached to entertainers. This is not just attached to people that's great. This is also attached to how it is that we go about looking at things as far as what success is supposed to be. When we talk about executive compensation, we're not paying attention. Executive compensation is tied to the performance of the company. 98, 97, 95% of their compensation is tied to the performance of the company. They have equity in the company. That's what allows for them to get the huge paydays, right? We don't want that. I asked the guy on my platform the other day, I said, listen, if I gave you stock options in a company and I lowered your compensation, your, your base pay, but I gave you twice the stock options. Would you take it? No, because I need the money right now. We addicted to fast money. His, circum- his circumstances money. made him say that. We addicted to, listen, why did Shy Money not want to take the point on Get Rich and Die Trying, but he was willing to take the little bit of money that 50 was going to offer or, or that the record label was offering? Yeah, yeah you were fast money. <laughs> we are used to fast money. We, we feel like, no, no tomorrow. 
Uh, Listen, (laughs) we don't invest in companies we day trade. We don't invest. We day trade. We're not looking at the 10 to 15 year play. We're looking at what we can get tomorrow. We go to the casino. We don't go to work. Right. We play the lottery. We don't dollar cost average as far as investing in ourselves or, or investing in our future. Right. When we go into college, we go there in order to get the student loan money in order to party, not to pay for our classes. We have a mentality that's based off a of short term, not based off of what long term success looks like. And it translates even in some of our biggest celebrities as man. I got to get your thoughts on um, there was recently uh, the creator, which is a movie coming out with uh, I forget his name, but Denzel's son. Mm-hmm. They did. Uh, they put A.I. AI robots in uh, oh, it's over. in Char- in Charger Stadium. When you see the level of where AI is going, it's over. Um, just you know, on Instagram reels, like from your mindset, because you're into the tech world, you're into uh, mm-hmm. automation, things of that nature. Where do you feel this is gonna go, and how quickly we're gonna get there with AI and everything that's gonna? We're already there. It's the end of the world. Oh man, literally, it's, it's scary. The end, it's the end of the world. Are you not scared of what's about to happen? No, because I already expect it. It's oh. already been prophesied. This is what's gonna happen. I'm just enjoying the ride while I'm here. It's over. <laughs> it's over, bro. Listen, listen. Elon Musk is already doing human trials with Neuralink. The chip that goes into your brain. They've already got done testing with animals, and now they're actually going through do human trials. Human trials, bro. Have y'all have y'all seen what they're building over at Boston Dynamics? No. Well, go listen, ahead. my daughter is 15 years old. And she asked me a question. We went on chat GBT and it broke down exactly how to do the equation. It taught us how to do it, right? When you think about not having to write a paper, when you're thinking about what people are leveraging it for as far as doing the content creation, it's over. It's writing code. It's controlling what it is that we think and it's out thinking us. Man, listen, they've already gave you all of the blueprint of what we was going to do to ourselves before it even happened. It started with Terminator, right? They told you (laughs) you what was going to happen with iRobot. And we we're run, we're racing to it, and we're we're literally going to kill ourselves as a result of it. It's over. It's so already we done. Let me ask you, um, in the we year, done, man, it's over. In the year twenty five ninety nine. Thank God I'm not gonna be here. You're not gonna be here. What do you feel like America will look like, and what do you feel like the the the? I don't moment? know if we are gonna make it to twenty twenty ninety nine. Oh, you mean like just as, as a species? <laughs> I don't. I think we are gonna destroy each other. Shit. We are gonna kill our. Listen, man. Miami gonna be underwater. <laughs> yeah, right? come on now. They below sea level. Yeah. <laughs> we destroying the earth. We farming more animals for human consumption, which actually contributes to the methane gas that's in the air. That's destroying what it is that's in the ozone layer. Everybody is kicking the can down the road. It's over. Man. It's gonna be fucking water world if there's anything left. Oh man, go watch Water World if you never that, seen listen, it. Listen, that's why Great I didn't. Movie. I had one child, and the reason that I had one child is because I contemplate not having no kids. And the reason that I did that is because I didn't want to bring a kid into this world. I'm okay if my daughter don't have children because I think that the world is just going to be so fucked up as a result of it. I'm okay if my daughter don't have kids. That's why. I'm all right with it. This world is over, bro. Listen, we don't, y'all, listen, you can't even go into the bathroom. If you send your, your daughter into the bathroom, Mrs. Trump, I was in the airport and I was coming over from, I think it was Tampa. It's coming over from Tampa. No, it was Miami, because it was the Miami airport. And I seen a grown fucking man walk into the bat walk into the woman's bathroom that had a wig on. 
Yo, I went in there and I grabbed my daughter. I went in there and grabbed my daughter. He can, you, you can identify as what you want to. Words don't mean shit no more. It's crazy out here, bro. It's over. It is completely done, man. Before we get out of here, I just have one question. Uh, well, not even a question. I just want to get your thoughts on a statement. Mm-hmm. It's easier for uh, the, the camel to move through an eye of a needle than the a rich man, man to make it into heaven. The heaven. Uh-huh. You are a very rich man. Uh-huh. What, are you, what are your thoughts on that? I'm not defined by money, right? Money is just a tool. And the reason why it's so difficult is because money doesn't make you a better person. It makes you more of what you already are. Right. So that that you got to fully understand it. And when you read in the word of God, you actually need to read the stuff that's before it and the things that's after it. Right. And what it was what it was describing was was the mindset of a person that has so much, but didn't actually develop the character that goes along with whatever the resource is that comes along with it. The thing about God and I was saying this before is, is, is the thing about God is that it doesn't allow you to skip steps. Um, it forces you to actually develop every other aspect of who you are if you're going to then make money and, you know, what his name. The thing that they don't include inside of that, that conversation is that it was so many different people that was in the Bible that God favored the most and that he loved and they was the richest men on earth. Mm-hmm. They were the richest men in the word of God. He loved David, right? God he, after man's own heart. Listen, listen. God loved Joe, man, listen. Joseph, David, all of the different people inside of the inside of the word, they were incredibly successful. They were incredibly rich, right? And God loved them and they became successful and he literally had them in his bosom. Now, why is it that he can say that and then at the same time say it's going to be harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven? It's like going through the eye of a, a, a needle, right? The reason that it is, is it's because your sentiment is it's, it's your spirit. It's your character. It's the fact that you then make money your God. And any God that's before him will never be able to reign with him, right? Mm -hmm. And so the thing that people need to understand is that money is literally just a tool. Really taken into consideration, it's just the way in which you can control whatever it is that you're doing and a resource to keep us from killing each other so that we can exchange goods and services. That's it. It's not even worth the paper that it's printed on. And that's why when you asked me initially, would I rather have fame, money, or power? I'll take the power. All day long. All day long. Man, brother, this was a real treat to have you come and sit down and give us so much wisdom. I bet y'all I, didn't I, expect this. I, they, you know, they've been, you know, you're new to me. Um, I I was unaware of your work before today, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely tapped in. You are a knowledgeable brother. You are a wise brother, man. You put so much fat on my brain today. I appreciate it. And uh, we definitely want you to come back whenever we get the opportunity, whenever you're in the city, man. For sure. Hey. This is the best part. Oh yeah, I'm man. Hey man, for anybody who want to link in with you, you know, work with you, come on, get to any type of your uh, your stuff. How would they do that? Anton Daniels. You can literally the Google me, throw me in any search bar, whether it's on YouTube, Google, any of that. Just type in my name, Anton Daniels. It's gonna pop up. Amen. And that's amen. it, bro. And do you have any shout outs? Um, shout out to the hoes, man. Amen. I think that every hoe plays a great role. It's the difference between a hoe and a housewife, but it doesn't mean that you're not valuable in your own unique way. And you know, you can't spell house without hoe. Yeah, listen. (laughs) Listen, listen. I think that everybody, everybody serves a purpose. Amen. And I think that hoes serve serve a purpose. We just got to appreciate them differently. We can't place them in the same 
in the same breath as a, as a wife, but they definitely serve a purpose. Shout out mm-hmm. to the hoes. And shout out to the single baby mamas out here, too. But don't, but we're not going to be stepping. Pieces, pieces of shit. <laughs> shout out to the single baby mamas that's out here giving relationship advice and don't even know how to keep a man. Amen. Shout out to y'all. Shout out yeah. to Umar Johnson. When you gonna get that fucking school bill? <laughs> shout out, shout out to Jay Morrison. How you gonna steal everybody money and then create the trap fund, big dog? Shout out to Boys Watkins. <laughs> shout out to Boys Watkins for for being a uh, PhD in economics but not knowing how to build his own fucking business. <laughs> <laughs> and with that being said, Anton Daniels, you are a real life street star. Let's go. Oh.